How about 680? Rejoice in the Lord, okay? On this week where we remember our gracious God and thanks, and we call it Thanksgiving, let's sing Rejoice to the Lord as we begin Sunday school, okay? Go ahead. It's 680, everybody. Sing verse 2 of Rejoice in the Lord. Missed our Sunday school classes. This week's there's two pages um, on the humanity of Christ. Uh, there's actually three pages, but two papers. Front and back on the first one, and then the front on the second one. We may or may not get through all of that, and if we don't, uh, that's information for you to be able to look at and to research on your own and if you have any questions about it ask pastor Um, (laughs) just kidding Um, an announcement to start our class off uh, kind of more of a reminder um, not this Wednesday but next Wednesday night don't forget don't forget to turn the dial on your scales back 15 pounds okay So just a reminder for next Wednesday night. That came across the electronic waves. Sorry, I couldn't pass it out. (laughs) So, so, are we getting the handouts squared away? Somewhat. Somewhat. (laughs) Sorry that it's a little bit confusing. So I was reminded yesterday morning as I was 
in the midst of preparing for this, um, I was reminded of the necessity of studying doctrine, knowing theology, knowing these things, because we got a message from our daughter, and she shared a post that she had read from a um, an acquaintance, and her question showed her being somewhat, um, not necessarily befuddled, but what is this? And as you read the information, if you didn't study these things, you wouldn't see the heresy as quickly. Um, Usually, it's not hard to tell when somebody has a hobby horse that they're on that um, you need to be careful of what they're putting out but in this case it was there was a lot of it that was very close to what we teach and what we believe but there was enough of it that wasn't that made it heresy and so to communicate with her some things that I saw um not because I know a lot, I don't. I know where to go for answers, and that is God's Word. And a lot of times when you see somebody pull a verse here and a pull a verse there, in which you will see in even in my notes, but read the context and read what is around it. And that's all that needed to be done to address some of the things that were being said. So... Um, that being a plug for studying doctrine, that being a plug for Sunday night as we're looking at uh, cults and the things that they uh, believe that aren't true, um, all that just helped me see more the need for this kind of teaching. And so as we embark uh, this week on the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, There are many tough subjects in theology, hard to understand. Um, A couple of commentators um, addressed a couple that we will talk about today as being among the toughest. And I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to give you scripture and tell you what I have read and learned about them and then you can take it and you can study it more for yourself Uh, again I brought the books that I use along with the Bible I will read from some of them as we work our way through this doctrinal teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ on his humanity and as we begin uh, the first thing that we want to look at is his condensation condescension I'll get the words some of the words are tough tough to pronounce and so bear with me okay so first line God the son stooped to come to earth to assume a human nature and to live among sinful people if you want to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2 
This verse will come up several times today. Um, it just because of the content of the verse. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9. It says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. So he was made a little lower than the angels. He stooped to come to earth to assume a human nature and to live among sinful people. The first part we want to look at is his incarnation. God the Son took upon himself a complete, sinless human nature. A complete, sinless human nature. John 1.14. Somebody would like to read that when they get to it. That would be great. John chapter 1 and verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So He took on, He was made flesh. He took on a complete, sinless human nature. As we move uh, to uh, letter A, his self-emptying. We'll turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, we are going to uh, look at. Verse, starting in verse 6. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made unto the likeness of men. So I want to look at a few uh, words in the midst of that. Um, Let me get my place. So who being, that word being, is also could be um, translated existing, uh, who existing in the form of God. It's, uh, the Greek word, Greek word is hyparchon. It declares Christ's indefinite continuance of being. He's eternal. We talked about that last week. Um, the fact that he is um, eternal from beginning to end, the Alpha, the Omega. Um, so, who being, who existing in the form of God. And then that uh, phrase, in the form of God, is the Greek word morphe, is of God. It includes the whole nature and essence of his deity, which we talked at length last week about the fact that Jesus Christ is God the Son and part of that triune Godhead. And so he is included in him as in the form of God as mentioned here. It includes the whole nature of God and essence of his deity. So he is holy God as in W-H-O-L-L-Y which that's coming up 
probably getting ahead of myself. Um, in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So, again, to look at a few words in that verse, uh, key words, made himself, it was self-imposed. Nobody made him do it. He did it himself. It was self-imposed. Of no reputation. This is a word that has caused a lot of confusion, struggle, complication. <laughs> um, it is the word kino, which if you have heard of the kenosis theory, that's what it amounts to, or what it, where it comes from. The word no reputation means to make empty. To make empty. And we'll get into more of that shortly. And then also the form of his servant. As a man, he was the father's servant. He was the father's servant. Struggling with pages, sorry. Number one, Jesus as a man rarely manifested his pre-incarnate glory. He rarely manifested his pre-incarnate glory. We have already read Hebrews 2.9. Let's look at John chapter 17 and verse 5. Will give us one of the instances where he did um, manifest that glory. Chapter 17 and verse 9. Excuse me, verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Notice where it's coming from. It's coming from the Father. Um, Jesus did not exercise it in and of himself, but from the Father. Uh, Important to um, understand that as part of it. And I'll read Hebrews 2.9 again, but we see Jesus who was made lower, a little lower, than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace should taste death for every man. So he rarely manifested his pre-incarnate glory. Secondly, Jesus as a man did not exercise his inherent divine power. His inherent divine power. Um, Let's go to Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. If you get there, if somebody wants to read that. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So we see here that, again, he was led by the Spirit. 
so it's through the spirit that this took place. He did not exercise his own divine power. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1. Isaiah 61 and verse 1. I'll get there eventually. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. So the Spirit of the Lord God is upon him. So again, we see it coming from the Spirit of the Lord God. So Jesus, as a man, did not exercise his inherent divine power. Number three, we also see Jesus, as a man, did not exercise certain divine attributes, which, such as omnipresence and omniscience, which are not compatible with human nature. So Jesus, now I lost my place again, as a man did not exercise certain divine attributes. Uh, John chapter 11 and verses 6 and 7. Somebody would like to read those when they get there. John chapter 6 verses, John chapter 11 verses 6 and 7. Sorry. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was, and after this he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. Mm-hmm. The idea there is he was not omnipresent at that time, he was not in both places at once. And he abode two days before he went to Judea again. And then Mark chapter 13. And verses 30 and 32. 30 through 32. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass all these things till all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. The idea there is that the Son did not have 
did not know the, how do I want to say this? The son and in his humanity did not know the day or the hour that the father knew. And so please don't jump to a conclusion that I am in some way saying that Jesus was not God because he is 100% God and 100% man. And so please don't confuse or think I'm trying to make a case where he wasn't, okay? Because I can see where this line of questions could go in that direction. That's not where I'm going, okay? Okay, so number four. Jesus did not exercise independent divine authority. He was the Father's servant. He never acted in his human experience independently from the Father. He never acted in his human experience independently of the Father. John chapter 6 and verse 38. John chapter 6 and verse 38. If someone wants to read that when they get there. John 6, 38. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Okay, he was here to do the will of the Father. And John 8, 28 and 29 says, Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he hath sent me, and he that sent me is with me. And the Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. So he never, he did not exercise independent divine authority. He never acted independently of the Father. And that that's not only true in his humanity, that's true in the realm of the Godhead. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit never act independently of the others. They're always in, can I say unison? Working together. I'm not trying to give you the idea that I understand all these things. There are things that we have to accept by faith, and we can study them. Number five, Jesus did display the moral attributes of deity which were compatible with humanity, such as holiness, righteousness, love, mercy, holy hatred, grace, and truth. Um, I'll read John chapter 8, verse 46. We aren't going to go through all these. Uh, John eight forty-six says, Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? So, um, that is one case, and I didn't write that one down, so... Um, I can't apply that to, I would apply it to holiness um, if, and that's off the top of my head, sorry. 
I would like to read um, from an excerpt from both of these um, books. I will read Ryrie's first and page 262 where he says he did not surrender any attributes. It says if he surrendered any attribute then he ceased to be God during his earthly life. There would then be no way he could have said what he did in John 10, 30, that he and the Father were one in essence. God did not denude himself of any aspect of his deity. And then Floyd Berrickman says this, My understanding of our Lord's self-emptying is this. When he took upon himself a human nature, there were certain features of his deity that with rare exception, he did not bring into his human experience. Still, these features remained with his divine nature and continued to express themselves in his divine experience, such as upholding the universe. I found that interesting because if we go to Colossians chapter 1, who created what is here? And who is holding that all together? Did he stop doing that when he was here on earth? No, he didn't. Far beyond my understanding, but praise the Lord that um, how he did as according to Philippians 2, 6, and 7, self-emptying himself to come as a babe in Bethlehem to walk the path to end up at the cross to die for us, for our sins, and to rise again. We will continue. Uh, any thoughts or comments before we move on to his conception and birth? I think I understand what we're looking at here. That is that we're talking to Jesus in his humanity. Correct. Of course, he was still the storm, or when he knew Nathaniel before they'd ever met, or when he was transfigured on the mount. Right. Those were expressions of his deity, mm-hmm. not his humanity. Is that what we're looking at? Correct. That, that would be true. Um, so that also would, um, those expressions of his deity would be done through the power of the Holy Spirit, which we will get uh, to part of that, I believe, um, when um, he was baptized of John the Baptist. Um, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but um, those things would have been done through the power of the Holy Spirit, which also is deity. So yes, does that make sense? Am I... Sure, and I guess that helps us understand as a comment by those around him when they would say, what manner of man is this? True. 
True. Yes. Yes. Okay. Any other comments? So as I understand it, Jesus came to fulfill at least the two roles. One, he said, if you, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Mm-hmm. So that brought the Father who was what a lot of people thought was out of reach right down to man. Mm-hmm. And to fulfill the role as the final sacrifice for sin. Mm-hmm. That's now I, there's probably other things that you know he fulfilled that, right. that prophecy of so God always required a blood sacrifice. He got the final one with Jesus. Right. Some of what drives this thought or this idea is those who would say that he was no longer God when he was here on earth and those who would say there's no way that he um, is deity and that so some of that is what drives this uh, discussion and I, I knew it would be a very difficult discussion because in my mind we don't have something to compare it to on our level, our realm, in our realm. And that's what makes it difficult for us to understand. You have to think about it with the fact that he is God. He can do anything. Right. If he wants to come down and act more as a man than as God for us, he can do that. <laughs> right. Who are we to say, no, he can't do that, or he's not still divine just because he's acting like a man, you know? Yes. I mean... And what does that take? Faith. One word, faith. Okay. It's by faith. Yes. I have a question. I'm a little confused. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now, you said in number two that Jesus as a man did not exercise his inherent divine power. Okay. But then I, Pastor brought up these, these instances where he's calmed the storm and he knew in advance mm-hmm. ahead of time. So are you saying that he, when you say he didn't exercise his divine power, but then you said something about he did these through the Holy Spirit but not of himself? I'm, I'm confused. I, I understand. <laughs> and I understand it's confusing, and I'm going by what I've read and what I, I can kind of grasp and so pastor please help if you can but but yes um, they present the fact that these things were done through the power of the Holy Spirit through Christ and so that's where I'm coming from okay there's a heresy out there taught by a lot of the Pentecostals and Charismatics that uh, Kenneth Hagen is one of them and Paul Crouch in the day would say that I am as much of an incarnation as was Jesus of Nazareth no no that's heresy yes no it's not true so he can do everything he can do through the power of the Holy Spirit and so on that's not true no Trudy? And it's called the little God 
God's doctrine. I'm a little God, so I can do what Jesus did. Yeah, it's evil. It is. Yeah. Is that helping anyway? <laughs> okay. I just always assumed um, that Christ was using his deity when he did things like that. Right. So okay. Um, one, one thing we notice when you read all the things in Scripture about Jesus, his, his mission here on earth, is that he tried not to draw attention to himself correct. until... until the, the right time. It was always about timing. And, and he portrayed himself as a humble man. And he actually, even though he was moved to help some people with miracle healings and that kind of thing, he would right. tell them not to tell anybody. Right. And I think, going back to a verse that I read in John chapter 8 and verse 28 and 29 where it says um, when ye have lifted up the son of man then ye shall know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself but as the father hath taught me I speak these things and he sent me he that sent me is with me and the father hath not left me alone for I always do the things that please him so we also have disciples who were able to do some of those things by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it wouldn't be against um, anything for Christ to do that also. I'm not saying that I understand. wasn't capable of that. Yes. The Holy Spirit allowed man, true right. man, to do those things right. also. And I agree, we can't take that to the extreme that Pastor brought up, that we are in the same position, because it's a different time, different place, different manifestation, if I can say it, put it that way. Yes. Yes. Okay, um, there's another, uh, we're going to do the conception and birth. Well, uh, we will see how far we get. Because uh, what's on the last page, the union of the Jesus two natures, also comes into this uh, discussion. But I want to go through the conception and birth. Uh, Number one, it's nature. The unique feature in Christ's birth is that he was, it was a virgin birth. Mary did not conceive of man with or without divine help. She conceived of God the Holy Spirit. Some of that wording is addressing heresies that are out there today. Without taking a lot of time, we'll look at Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20, where it says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, in a dream, saying, Joseph, the son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And there's another reference for you in Luke chapter 1, verse 35. Um, but it was, she conceived of the Holy God, the Holy Spirit. Um, B, it was 
holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, of the Holy Spirit, who generated Mary's substance, a complete human nature consisting of body, soul, and spirit. So if we go to Matthew 26, in these three references, we will see reference to those three things, the body, soul, and spirit in his conception. Matthew 26, verse 12. Well, says, For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Referring to his body. And verse 38 says, Then said, saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. Concerning his soul. And then verse Chapter 27 and verse 50. And Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. So he's spirit, yielding up his spirit. So see, the work of the Holy Spirit did not include the creation of of Jesus' divine nature, it existed from eternity past. Um, John 1 1, a very familiar verse. And I'm sure many of you could quote it. I want to get it right so I look it up. Sorry. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God. He, his divine nature was not created at his birth. It was there from the beginning. He existed from eternity past. Um, there's also Galatians 4.4 4, um, and a couple of others there for you uh, to look up if you want. Secondly, um, first it was his nature. Second, its importance. The virgin birth was necessary for his saving work. Someone wants to read Matthew one twenty one. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So he shall save his people from their sins. So his virgin birth was necessary for his saving work. B, it preserved his sinlessness and gave him the ability to die for us. And Hebrews 2.9, we read earlier, where it says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. So, see, it prevented him from inheriting the corruption and imputed guilt of Adam's initial sin. And Romans chapter 5 
Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 19. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin in the world, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is a figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many may be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to con- condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So the virgin birth prevented Adam from inheriting the corruption and imputed guilt of Adam's. Jesus. Say it again. Prevented Jesus. Jesus. What did I say? Sorry. Sorry. The guilt of Adam's initial sin. Sorry about that. It's right in front of me and I still can't read it. (laughs) All right, D. It preserved his human nature from any contamination from Mary. Luke 1, 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. It's interesting that word overshadow there. It's very vivid illustration to us as we look outside at the mountains. And when the clouds are low enough that you can't see the mountain tops, they are overshadowed, they are engulfed in the cloud. So was, if I can put it this way, Mary's womb overshadowed by the Holy Ghost in the conception of Jesus. What was the blank on D again? On E? D. D. It preserved his human nature from any contamination from Mary. Help if I turn this over. Okay. And then E, it made it possible for him to rule one day from David's throne over Israel and the world. 
Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. So it made it possible for him to rule one day from David's throne. Okay, any comments on that section as we're rapidly running out of time? Okay, we'll move on to the fact of his humanity. Uh, Just a couple of statements to begin. He will continue forever to be the God-man. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And then secondly, his humanity is real and unique. 1 John 4.3 And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. So those who do not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh are not of God. So it's reality. He developed the same as we do. Uh, We see that in Luke chapter 2 and verse 5. Uh, And I'll read the last part of the verse just to save some time. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in a swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Every one of us was swaddled and laid in a crib or so on. He developed socially. Luke 2, 5, 2.51 through 52 And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and man. So he developed socially. He increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. C, being sinless, he did not develop morally. He had his... Morals were already fashioned by his deity. And D, he lived an ordinary life in Nazareth. The beginning of Mark chapter 6 and verse 3 says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? He lived an ordinary life in Nazareth. E, he experienced the sinless limitations of the human nature, such as hunger, sleep, and weariness. And F, he experienced human emotions such as grief, anger, love, agitation, trust, suffering, compassion, temptation, yet without sin. And we're going to have to quit there. And we can pick up there next week. I'll figure out how to make that work. (laughs) But we'll pick up there next week with its uniqueness so Ken would you close our time in prayer okay Father in heaven we do thank you so much for
the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for this, this study. Lord, we know that uh, it is hard to get our heads around that you are the Almighty God and part of the triune Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And uh, Lord, do give us a, a better understanding and help us to use these scriptures and guide by your Spirit. We do thank you for uh, the opportunity we have to gather together. We do pray you prepare the way for the service to come that you would be with pastors, you bring your word, and be with all of us, Lord, to be attentive to your word, and uh, just might our worship of you in the singing and giving and in uh, attending to your word be pleasing in your sight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.